Hello, everyone. It's so lovely. Um, can you hear me? I feel like I'm echoing in my own head. But as long as you can hear me loud and clear, that's all that matters. <laughs> well, it's so lovely to be with you this morning. Um, Stan sends his love. He is ministering at a church in Nelspreet all weekend. And unfortunately, Heather couldn't go with because she fell ill. But um, he is apparently just doing so well. And the Holy Spirit is showing up. So that's news from Stan. And um, I get the privilege of starting our brand new series, Seed and Salt. So as an eldership team, we've been praying, and I'm sure that you can pick up, we've been on this journey of being sent forth. And um, I have a, my preach this morning is titled, Loyal to the Soil. And I really trust, I'm just going to share a bit of my journey and the canal's journey, and I really trust that you guys um, are ignited with faith. I believe that it's really echoey sound desk, just so you know. Is it echoey for you? Okay. So, um, loyal to the soil, learning how to be faithful to what God's called us to, the city, suburb, neighborhood, nation that God has called us to. And this is just a little bit of our story. So, Nick, Nick and I got... We, well, we weren't married. We were at BSSM, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, and we wanted to get married. We had such desires for the nations. God had been doing such beautiful work. We had, Nick went to missions on, at Mexico. I went to the Philippines. We went with our families to Greece, to the gypsy camps, and God was just unlocking doors in the nations. I spent time in Mozambique at RS Ministries, and we were like, our call is for the nations, and I still don't doubt that today. But we came home from Bethel, and we were like, oh, we'll just be in Durban for two years, and God's going to send us somewhere. We're coming here to get married, and here we are 10 years later, still in the city, waiting for the voice of Jesus to say go. But for right now, he has said, go to Durban. And so we are found ourselves in this beautiful city, and Durban truly is our harvest field. Um, <laughs> amen, Gav. So when we got married, we, um, were so, we felt God really loudly say, go get a flat in Durban. Now, this was quite ironic because our whole world was actually in Hillcrest. We were um, serving on the deacon team at City Hill, Hillcrest, very plugged in, had a home group in Hillcrest with young adults that we led. Um, we had both jobs in Hillcrest, and we felt God say, get a, get a flat in the heart of the city in Musgrave. So we got a beautiful flat overlooking the whole of the city. We absolutely loved it. God hooked us up. We had good rent. And um, we were literally like unbeknowing what God had in the city for us. But on a side note, cities totally make us come alive. I know for some of my friends, the bush makes them come alive. But for Nick and I, when we go to a city of the world, Tony's smiling because I've had this conversation. It's like our hearts skip a beat and we see in 3D. God speaks so loudly. And so God, and about a year later after moving into Musgrave, God honored, we started to see the physical outworking of the honoring of God of our step of faith. And um, I got a job at Mr. Price. Nick started his business. Um, which is the story for another day. And um, we started um, under the leadership and guide of Peter Rasmussen a church community called Downtown. With Ma um, we actually met at Savior Brand in the Station Drive. 
and our heart was truly to see God radically come in the city, and so we wanted to be in a coffee shop, and that's how we met Max, beautiful Max and Nikki Pina, and we met there for two years every Sunday night, and honestly, guys, saw God radically show up. We saw people come to know Jesus, um, we saw people encountering him. We had creative prophetic nights where God spoke so loudly to people. I remember we had this um, social thing called the Big Sandwich, and every Wednesday we'd come and make a million sandwiches. Nathan, was, Nathan Reardon was also a part of it. And we would just go into the community with our sandwiches and love on people. And then God brought us here. And this is where we, we love this community so much. And yeah, we, we love the fact that we meet in the heart of the city. And so here we are, Nick and I, 10 years later, still waiting for the voice of God to say, go into the nations. But for right now, we want to be obedient to his call. And he hasn't said go, he said go to Durban. And so we are so peaceful that this is where he wants us. And honestly, I can say, and I know Nick, like, if, if God said tomorrow, go, in a month's time, we would go. We just want to be obedient to the sound of his voice and wherever he calls us. So, um, how can we be loyal to the soil? Because this has truly been our journey over the last 10 years, how to be faithful with where God's called us. And you may be, you may be like, I'm with you, maybe Hillcrest is your spot, maybe I'm Schlanger, maybe Durban, maybe Kwamashu, wherever you find yourself, that may be it. Or you may be in a waiting transition period of wanting to go to the nations. Um, I don't know where you are on your journey, you do. But we can all, I, I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to impart and he is depositing faith today to be faithful in the little and to be obedient. So, I want us to turn, if you have your Bibles, to Jeremiah 29. Verse 4 to 5 and 7. And I want you to keep this question in your mind. How can I be loyal to the soil? So it reads, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, and here's the promise, you too will prosper. There's so much loaded in there. I feel like we could just do a sermon series on that. But um, how do we be loyal to the soil? And I just bolded, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. And I love the last line in verse seven, seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Some translations say, seek the welfare of the city for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And so this was a letter written from Jeremiah because actually the people of Judah thought they're only gonna be there for like two years in the land of Babylon which sounds pretty familiar. We were like, we're only going to be here for a little while. We're not going to put roots down. And Jeremiah's like, uh-uh. Like, as a prophet, he's like, you're probably going to be there for decades. I think it was possibly 70 years. But he was like, actually, you need to build houses and settle down. 
You need to plant gardens and eat what they produce. So we're all exiles, right? If we know Jesus, we are all exiles being sent from heaven to earth as a foreigner, but living in this world, belonging to the king and his kingdom. So how do we remain faithful and loyal to the soil? I've got three points for us today. We build with faith, we plant with patience, and we seek and pray for the city. Build with faith, plant with patience, and pray, seek and pray for the city. I feel very breathless. I think it's because I'm pregnant. I promise I'm not just sporting a food baby. <laughs> some, some people do come and say, oh, I don't want to ask, but are you pregnant? I said, yes, I am. Love to shout it out. So we're going to turn to Nehemiah now. We're going to camp out in this first point for quite a bit compared to the other points. But the book of Nehemiah, this is where we're going to camp out a little bit this morning. So Nehemiah is just after Ezra. I believe that the books were actually together and were only separated later on. So that's quite interesting. If you want to read it, read Ezra and Nehemiah together. Ezra it was assigned to build, rebuild the tabernacle. Nehemiah was assigned by God to rebuild the city walls and gates of Jerusalem. It's a beautiful story. I'm going to just give you context. So Jerusalem had no walls around their city, which is a pretty big deal. It's like in the olden days, that was your protection. The, the walls were massive. You can actually go to the next slide, um, Brad. But I pulled these out. This is just to give you an idea of like how tremendous the walls were. And um, it's like living in a bad area with no door, no front door, you know, completely open. And they had no walls for 114 years. That's pretty long. And um, for 72 years, they tried to rebuild the walls with no success. And you know that what took them 72 years to do with no success took Nehemiah 52 days. I mean, that's radical, supernatural stuff. So when God assigns you, gives you a God-given assignment, or when God calls you, when he chooses you, he brings radical favor. And I want you to know that. So Nehemiah was serving King Artaxerxes. It was actually the same king as um, the king that was in the book of Esther. And he was actually a cupbearer, serving in the palace. Cupbearers actually had quite a great, like, they had quite influence with the king. And Nehemiah has one of his brothers come and tell him in, in chapter one, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Nehemiah's response is, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down, wept and mourned, and I continued fasting and praying. Some of you may be feeling like you're in a desolate season. Things have been broken down after the season of adversity Durban has truly beaten. Our response needs to go and pray and fast before the Father for a strategy. And so God gives Nehemiah the strategy to go and rebuild the walls, but he's not a part of Judah. He's serving under the king. And so Nehemiah goes to the king, probably musters up all his might and asks for permission to go back to Judah to, to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. And he has incredible favor with the king, so much so that the king funds his trip, writes letters to the borders to ask if he can please pass through easily and sends him off with incredible favor. Some of you feel like maybe the favor of God is 
little bit over your life. Psalm 30 verse, um, Psalm 30 verse 5 says, His favor is for a lifetime. And I want to declare over us as a community, His favor is for a lifetime. What God calls you to, He will fulfill. He will show up. He just requires an obedient people. So then we move on to Nehemiah chapter 2. This is all about when he surveys and inspects the walls. He literally is like a contractor, and he goes around and he takes a note of what's wrong here, what's wrong at this gate, takes a massive detailed um, audit on the walls, and comes up with a plan. And um, then we end up in in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17, and I'll read it to you. It says, Then I, Nehemiah, said to them, the people of Judah, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem. I love that Nehemiah immediately makes himself the solution to the problem. Even though this is a city he wasn't a part of, he comes and believes that God has called him to be a solution to the problem. Friends, today we are called to be a solution to the problems of Durban, to the problems of South Africa. We are God's solution on this world. We just have to get before him and ask him for the strategy. And so the people reply, let us arise and build. One of the secrets of the 52 days, of one of the secrets of them being able to rebuild the walls in 52 days is that everybody took ownership of their task, of their section of the wall. So chapter 3, this is um, what God's really breathed on for me. It says, then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers and they built the sheep gate. So this is a chapter we normally glance over. It's like one of those where you read about the lineage, where it's like James, the brother of the, the brother of the, the brother, and you're just like, okay, I get the point, turn over there. This is kind of like that, and it says, it talks about um, next to him, the men of Jericho built. Next to them, Sakur, the son of Emery built. The sons of his, his Hassanah built the fish gate. Next to them, Merimoth. Next to them, Zadok. It goes on and on and on for 32 verses. Next to them, next to them, next to them. Friends, we have been called to shoulder and to be next to each other in our God-given assignments. And we've each been given a task. I feel like Holy Spirit's asking you today, if you do not know what your God-given assignment is, build the wall in front of you. Just like each family was given a section of the wall to rebuild and restore, or they were given a gate, God has given each and every single person in this room a task, a divine task. And this is pretty, if you think about it, the rebuilding of the walls is pretty mundane. It's like a bricklayer, or you're repairing a gate. We wouldn't think it's supernatural or spiritual in any way, but God does because he devotes a whole book to it. And so your secular work, if you are here today, your secular work is supernaturally spiritual and divine and inspired by God. You are changing the landscape of our city and the world we live in by your assignment, by rebuilding and building what God has called you to do. So, just as the people took took ownership of their assignment, we are called to take ownership. Nick and I often say to our young adults, if you don't know what to do, because often the question is, I don't know what my calling is, I don't know what I'm called to do, we just say, build the wall in front of you. 
And so my encouragement today is to just build the wall in front of you. What do you find in front of you right now? It could be that you're a secretary greeting people. Well, you actually carry the presence, the fullness of the Godhead inside of you. The people that come and get to encounter Jesus Christ when they see you. It's supernatural stuff. Build the wall in front of you because God will bring the next. All we have to do is be faithful and obedient to his call. God chooses you. And so Christine Kane says there's grace for your race. Often we compare our races with other people's and we're like, theirs seems pretty spectacular or they're doing a really good job or their business is flying um, or they have such favor. No, there's grace for your race. We've got to stay true to the lane God has assigned us to. What is your tent peg this morning, friends? What is your tent peg? What is your God-given assignment? We're called to build with faith. All he's asking for is a faithful people, obedient to his voice, whether it be changing a nappy for me or um, meeting professionals in a boardroom or preaching to the nations. We're called to be faithful and obedient to the voice of God. So build with faith. My second point is to plant with patience. Jeremiah tells the people to plant gardens and eat their produce. And I felt like actually Holy Spirit was asking us this morning, plant gardens and be okay with not eating the produce but letting somebody else eat the produce because we are in an eternal story, the story of generations. And my reward is not in the here and now, it's in the eternal. So the time between planting and finding fruit and being able to eat the produce is normally I believe, and I can anyway, longer than we anticipate. There's a wait. We learned about this waiting, being still before God. And in today's culture, it is hard to wait, right? The great wait. I, call, I, I titled it the great wait. We can purchase something at the click of a button. We can order our groceries through Checkers 6060, and they promise to deliver it within an hour, normally, let's hope. We can see if someone's read our WhatsApp um, messages with the blue tick instantly. We can fast forward our ad breaks on DSTV or skip them altogether and go to Netflix and Showmax. Our culture today has conditioned us to be an on the move um, and to not appreciate the patience, uh, the, 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 the great weight of waiting. McDonald's pride themselves actually in a three minute drive through. I know that's not very true for Durban but um, they do, <laughs> and so we are, we, are, we are conditioned to want things now, to appreciate shortcuts and to fast track, but with God we know that that is not how his kingdom operates. He teaches us great things in waiting. God has called us to plant and eat, but between those two things is something called time, where he has called us to wait upon him. Time where he instills character, time where he teaches us valuable things, time where he tests us, and we know the testing of our faith produces endurance and character and beautiful things, the great wait. And so are you ready to wait upon him? Maybe some of you are waiting for unfulfilled promises or you feel like God has completely forgotten about you. He has not. His timing is so perfect. We just have to build with faith and wait with patience. Noah waited 120 years for rain. We learn about Sarah and Abraham who waited years for their promised son. The apostles had to wait 
in the upper room to receive the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. Joseph had to wait years in the prison before being promoted to the palace. There's treasure found in the waiting season. Will you wait before him? We get to plant gardens, and sometimes maybe someone else will eat of its fruit. I, um, our kids go to Wee Friends, which is Glenridge's preschool. And if you don't know Wee Friends, Taryn has been seriously upgrading that school, left, right, and center. It's been so beautiful to watch how each section, it's like we've been rebuilding the walls of, of Wee Friends. And if you don't know, Wee Friends isn't actually owned like the land is not owned and the building isn't owned by us. We actually rent from the church there. Am I right? Yes, we rent. And I remember one day I said to Taz, isn't it so sad that it doesn't actually belong to us? So we're renovating, but um, it belongs to someone else. And um, I remember Taryn being like, yeah, but that's, that's awesome because we leave them better off than when we found them. And that is actually the kingdom message, the gospel, is that we plant and sometimes other people get to eat of the fruit. And that is the message of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6 says, Paul says, we all know this so well, what after all is Apollos? What is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. What are you called to do in this season? Plant, water, God will bring about the growth, I promise you. Sometimes we just have to wait in patience. So plant with patience. And my last point, seek and pray for the city. I felt so struck for this. I feel like I could just read this verse and that would be done with this point. Jeremiah 29 verse 7, it says, Thus says the Lord, Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. We've got to remember that the people were in another land. They probably didn't want to pray. They wanted to pray that they'd get back into their land. They wanted to pray for themselves, but God says, no, I want you to pray for that city because if it prospers, you'll find your prosperity there. We're called to carry out lives of ordinary obedience before, before God in the midst of a watching world. As Christians, we're the light and the, of the world, we're the salt, and, and people are watching. And all God requires, and I know it sounds so simple, and I tell myself all the time, is just our small, faithful obedience. Trusting our Father and obeying Him, no matter how foolish it may be. And so, so Jeremiah writes, pray to the Lord and seek the prosperity of the city. And I just wanted to tell you a story of um, one time when I went to Philippines, our um, leader of the trip asks everybody, doesn't matter if you can paint or not, and I can't paint, so I'm not like some of like Emily over there or Matt that can draw so beautifully, that is not who I am. Anyway, she asks everybody to, to draw a picture and to take it with us on the trip. And um, one of the beautiful moments of being in the Philippines on that trip is that we get a radical moment to minister to um, the, the people in the Supreme Court. And so she says, take this picture and whoever you want to give it to, ask the Lord and bless them. And so my friend, um, Naomi, 
draws a picture of a tree. Simple, childlike. She just hears the Lord say, draw a picture of a tree, and takes it with her. And we, we get into the justice of the Supreme Court with the justice, and we had a moment to actually pray. Some people sang over her, gave her words, and um, Naomi's like, Kirk, I feel like I need to give this tree. I mean, it's so childlike, and, and she did. She just gave this picture of a tree and said, that is all. She didn't have an amazing prophetic word or eloquent speech. She just said, here's a tree. And the justice was like, oh my gosh, you don't understand what this means to me. The picture of the tree my name in Filipino language is Puno, which means tree. And we have just instilled an initiative in Philippines with the prisoners where we are planting one million trees around the nation to represent hope in this nation. And so you can see how this, this simple childlike hearing God's voice, I'm gonna go and be standing in front of the officials um, into the, in king's palaces, I'm gonna deliver this tree and how God comes and ordains that moment with a supernatural favor and encounters this person. And that's a grand story. Well, it, it started off pretty simple, but I mean, it turns and everything turns grand with Jesus, right? <laughs> but um, we all have these beautiful stories, I mean, I don't know, Gary and Bernie have just moved into the city because God has called them to bless the city. They're seeking the prosperity of the city. It's profound, it's radical. Some of you have started businesses. I look over your faces, I can see. You guys have started kingdom businesses because you believe in blessing, creating jobs, bringing economic wealth. Some of us maybe are just being ourselves. I was recently um, at a beauty salon and I go to the same lady all the time. Let's just call her Nanku for, the, for anonymous, and being anonymous. <laughs> but um, I go to the same lady and she's more expensive than I like, but I, wanna build, I feel like God's asked me to build a relationship there. So I've been going to the same lady and um, recently, a few, few months ago, I just felt the immediate, it wasn't a supernatural thought, it was like, She's called to be a teacher, and so I said to her, hey, Nox, do you, do you, you want to teach? Are you, are you a teacher? Would you like to teach? And she was like, oh, how did you know? She's like, I literally got my teaching qualification. I desire to teach. I've started putting my, my CV into um, schools to see what doors open up. And her story is not finished. She's, I went to her not so long ago. She's I'm still at the salon, but she desires to teach. And I had a beautiful moment, literally in the middle of a mall, in the salon, and I got to pray for her that God would open up doors. And so our stories can be so simple, but God has called us to bless the city. And so returning to Jer Jeremiah 29, how do we seek the welfare of the city? I've been asking God, how do we seek? And it's like, he was just like, we build with faith, we plant with patience, and we seek the peace and we pray. And that's why we meet here every Thursday, even during the school holidays, we are gonna pray for the outpouring of God's favor over the city because he's called each one of us right now in this moment, whether it be only for a week longer or years longer, we've been called to such a time as this to pray, to pray and seek the peace and prosperity of, of the city. And so I wanna call up Nick because God reminded me of a story when we were at City Hill um, and we even phoned Peter Rasmussen this week to be like, 
can you just clarify the story? But I feel like Nick has such faith with the story. And it's just a story of how some businessmen got together to pray and how God really brought a radical breakthrough. Thanks, love. Um, so it's just, it's just a beautiful testimony. And now we weren't a part of this, but we get to walk in the freedom that these guys um, broke open for us. So many, many years ago, and the, I'm going to get some of the names probably wrong, but the story is the right story. There were a bunch of um, older businessmen, Christian businessmen, a part of different churches. Um, uh, there was a guy called Wally, uh, Dave Marshall was one of them, that kind of generation. So these guys are all in their 80s now. So we're talking um, a couple years, quite a few years back. Um, these guys got together. And it was led by this guy, Wally, and apparently Wally was even possibly a part of Glenridge back in the day. Could be him. I don't know. We couldn't think of the surname. Paul, if you want to ask Paul, Paul will tell you. He's also been here for a long time. Uh, and these guys, <laughs> not that, he's not 80. But these guys got together, and what they did is um, uh, they banded together, and they started praying on the Le Mercy airfield before King Shaka Airport was built. And they went there, um, and they, before the plans were in place, before anything like that, they wanted to walk on that grass uh, on the land, and they declared that it would become an airport as a, a spiritual um, unlocking of the economic activity that Durban could have. Um, and after months and months and months of them walking in the sugarcane on the, on the grass, wherever it was, for seven um, years, for seven years. Yes. for seven years, they walked and they prayed. I think every month or every couple months they would get together and they would pray um, as, as Christian businessmen in the city. And now that obviously we can look now and we get to see what the fruits of their labor, their prayers unlocked that um, King that Shaka. airport, King Shaka Airport that is now there. And it's such a beautiful story because I don't see that. I don't see the years and years and years of these guys getting together and walking on the land and praying and praying and praying. I just see the airport that I get to use when I need to work or when cargo comes in. I just get to walk in the benefit of what those guys prayed, prayed for. Yes. And so I just wanted to leave one question with us. Um, and I'm sure Jan will have something, another question. But just one question with us is, what land are we standing on and what land are we praying on and praying for for the legacy and the generation to come? Like we get to walk inside that economic unlocking because of those guys praying in the grass. What land are we doing? Or are we going to let the generation behind us miss out on something because we didn't have an assignment or a piece of land or grass or whatever it is to walk on and to pray for? Yeah, amen. And apparently, um, I mean... It's, it was also like it's King Shaka International Airport. I mean, it's a serious upgrade from our south, our other airport. And um, it was amazing because these men actually got called back to the opening of King Shaka International when the first plane touched down, and they were honored. Um, but it's just such an incredible story of like, I'm just going to go pray and be faithful to God, and how that, their prayers literally brought breakthrough to our city and has enabled us to go to the nations and to minister. And so, friends, we are, if you don't know what your assignment is, pick the assignment of prayer. <laughs> pick the assignment of prayer and pray that God would radically come. And so I'd love you all to stand as we end because I really believe no matter what season you find yourself in, God wants to give you faith to build the wall that is in front of you. And um, I, had this, I had this beautiful picture, 
actually today, that the Holy Spirit was depositing fire, like he was starting a fire and he was sending us, he was deploying us with fire into our areas of influence, whether it's a school, a university, um, a business, your, your home. He's sending us forth, he's deploying us today. And so Holy Spirit actually wants to commission us again. He wants to recommission us. Some of us may be like, I still don't know what my assignment is. Go home and pray like Nehemiah did, fast if needs be, to get a strategy from the Lord. But you are all called, you are all anointed to be the priesthood of God, and we are called to change our city through our prayers, through our presence, through our patience. We are called to transform the city. So can I just pray that the Lord would recommission us today and commission us to go forth. So if you feel comfortable, just open up your hands because God is walking around. I, I just sense him literally touching each person and anointing you afresh. Holy Spirit, we love that we get to wait upon you for the strategies, for the plans. I thank you for the business people in this room. Right now, I thank you, Lord, that you are downloading supernatural assignments to the business people, supernatural strategies, Father God. And when I say supernatural, it's actually simple, but with God, it's supernatural. And so, Lord, I thank you for the business people. We declare radical favor over them to unlock wealth and economic activity in our city and our land. And whether it be global, their hearts to be global, I pray you would unlock doors. I pray that we would hear of radical stories of, of um, testimonies of, of doors being opened in the nations, Father God. And I thank you, Father, for every person in this room that you are igniting a fire in their hearts today. And I, can, I just declare that you are commissioned this morning to be sent forth into our land with the presence and power of Jesus Christ. You are not alone. The presence and power of God goes with you. And so, Father, we just want to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to fall upon us so that we can go forth and see your kingdom advanced in our land. We're just gonna wait for 20 seconds. Many are the plans of the Lord, but many are the plans of a man, but the Lord establishes his path. God wants to establish your path today. And so we thank you, Lord. We receive the great commission to go forth and make disciples of all nations. We receive it. And we thank you, Lord, that you would take us, take us, walk with us as we go with you into our world and bring glory to your name. We love you, Jesus. Amen.